Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Byte Show podcast. This is your podcast for August 24th, 2016. I am your host, Jeremy Lawman Lamont. Joining me today are my two co-hosts, Jared Redeye-Dunn. Howdy, howdy. And Dale Count Elmdor jones Pleased to make your acquaintance. Dozo Yoroshku, as they say in the Outer Lands. In the glorious Nippon. We're here to talk to you about the video games that we've been playing this week. The newest, latest, greatest. Uh, you guys, you know, uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided came out. That's a pretty big one. Uh, I'm sure all of us have been playing that. Pretty mixed reception on that. Yeah. You could say that uh, humanity was taking sides. That's right. I would say Deus Ex Reviews Divided. Um, no, actually, uh, we're going to be talking about some other new releases this week. Um, at least one, I know. Uh, one, one of us is playing something new, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't think we roll that way. In fact, I think we're going to start by talking about the uh, the pixeliest things that Jared Dunn has been playing this week. Jared, what have you been up to? Yeah, I've been playing a uh, a Jared assortment of randomness. So, <laughs> I actually um, just today have been trying to find some games for the kids to play. Oh yeah. Hmm. So I, I've I've been like scour. I have like over 500 games in my steam library i'm like surely i can find a few things in here that work with a controller that will stream to my steam link uh which i actually got set back up nice and are simple enough like you know one of the things i really like uh are the lego series of games for them because there's like no penalty in those games right when if if a guy beats up Batman, you just like explode and reappear over to the side. <laughs> it's kind of traumatic though to see Batman explode. No, it's really not because they make all their Legos explode anyway all the time, so it's super normal. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I, I was basically scouring through, and I had um, Grow Home, which has been kind of in the news lately because it just had a sequel come come out. I totally blanked on the name grow but up i think is what it's grow called. up grow yeah up, yeah. yeah i think that's the name of the sequel and, and so i got that installed and i'm like oh this looks silly it's like a little robot and i had no idea what the game was about at all i had no idea when i got it or why i have it but uh <laughs> yeah we installed it and, and we were playing it tonight it's actually pretty cute i mean if you're not familiar with it you're like this little robot who's kind of gangly and it's sort of like an open world i don't know really what the objective is other than that you're collecting these crystals that are kind of scattered around the landscape um and sort of the neat mechanic with it is he can attach his arms like his palms or whatever to objects so you do that with the left and right trigger the left attaches the left one to the object in front of you and the right trigger does the the right hand and you can essentially like drag stuff around. There's lots of physics. You can climb that way. So climbing is actually interesting uh, mechanic of sort of alternating the triggers and he'll climb mountains. <laughs> it's just kind of like this open world exploration game where you just we're just finding stuff and he's kind of enjoying it so and and you you like grow up a beanstalk, right? Isn't he? So my understanding is that you play as the little robot bud. Um, yes. Which I can't remember what that stands for. It's like the botanical operating unit or botanical something that's BUD. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not good. I'm not acronyms. good at acronyms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's trying to get to the moon or something like that. Like you and, and he climbs and I guess you it's sort of like a self autonomous platformer, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Right? There's there's definitely I, I can see we've we've only been playing 
like I said, we just did this today. So I've only been playing it maybe 30, 40 minutes tops. Yeah. Uh, but there's definitely a verticality mechanic to it. Cause you can like look up and see floating islands way up in the sky. So sure. Growing a beanstalk. We'll, we'll make that happen. <laughs> I think you might. Um, so anyway, I've been playing a little, just a little bit about that. Just trying to come up with other kind of games that are in my library that, uh, that are simple, you know, aren't like super challenging. Um, I actually also instead, <laughs> this is kind of the opposite of that, installed Mega Man Legends. So the, like the one through six remake that they released a while ago. So maybe oh, I can yeah. break him in on that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, a good bunch, I guess. So another game I've been playing uh, with pixely goodness that, that you mentioned is Retro Pixel Castles. And we actually streamed this. Uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago now, several weeks ago. I, I think this was one that I, I noticed this in the YouTube archive, uh, youtube.com slash show. I saw it there, but I think it was one of the off day. Streams. Yeah. I think I it, missed it at the time. It, it was definitely a solo stream, but um, so it, it's sort of a, it, it, it's more, I, I don't really know how to describe it too much. It's, it's more in line with the sort of village, you know, kingdom management sims like uh, Majesty than it is, say, like a Settlers or Age of Empires. So y- you place a building and then you assign it workers and then the workers just kind of do their thing autonomously. Um, and and it's speaking my language now. I, I really like Majesty. I love Majesty. Yeah. And so it, it's pretty great like that. W- what it doesn't have that Majesty has is the sort of hero units that you could create you know like the the warrior guild and stuff like that uh none of that's there so you you can create defenses you can build towers you can build like armories and um weapon makers that can arm your peasants but for the most part your villagers are it that's all that's there um and it has a day night cycle and you, you basically just need to build your village and then defend it against ever increasingly large waves of like monster attacks that come at night and then start coming during the day. There's random things like uh, weather and when it's raining, your villagers, it won't be as hot, but your villagers work slower. And if it gets too hot, they need to go rest in their home. If it gets too cold, you know, et cetera and so forth. Um, so just kind of managing games like that is, I, I really enjoy that. It's, it's pretty cute. It's got these like, you know, these pixel graphics, whatever that, sort of thing i mean they even say retro pixel in the name it, and it's 2d also it's, is it totally 2D. Sort of? it's like 2D it's like or? looking straight down there's no like isometric oh, view or anything. oh wow huh, okay um, like a dwarf fortress or something like yeah straight, very similar very similar but it, it focuses a lot more on i want to say a lot more on the sort of you won't win it, you will eventually get overwhelmed um and again it has that sort of kingdom management to it like oh nope i've got plenty of wood i'm gonna dial back my lumberjacks i need uh more bowyers to arm my bow towers or whatever you know whatever. so and there are objectives in this or is it just kind of like putts around and whatever happens happens i think it's so far it's mostly objectiveless uh you can expand across the world so you can create one village and then uh eventually move into others or create others uh, i haven't gotten that far i die um it's got a few modes. It's got like sort of a peace mode, which still has monsters, but they come much slower. So it kind of, I've actually been using that to kind of get my bearings on how do I, 
what is some good like strategies to sort of expand at a good pace, you know, sort of rapidly and not, you, you, uh, created too many buildings that can't, can't get built because I didn't have enough wood. So now everything's stalled. Um, it yeah. definitely has that, that sort of thing. One other thing that's a little bit, I think, in unique about this game over some of the others is you actually have a little bit of direct control. Uh, you have spells and basically like energy or whatever that depletes and recharges over time. So you can like directly attack some of the monsters uh, and it has some, some, some of those have neb- negative effects too. Like you can cast like a fireball, but it might catch some of your buildings on fire. Um, <laughs> you can like banish monsters, like just use your energy and just make them disappear. So if you're just kind of getting overwhelmed, you can help you guys out a little bit, um, buy yourself some more time, but you know, you'll find yourself using more and more of that and running out of energy. So, um, really kind of neat flavor to it I, I really enjoy it so i've been playing quite a bit of that another game i've been playing a little bit of we, we talked last week about how i never play games on my phone i actually did pick one up and it was a, <laughs> a pay-to-play game so so kind of bucking the trend i know i heard those were dead they are dead um i've been playing rain uh r-e-i-g-n like uh, king's rain and it's essentially like um you basically get it's another decision game and you get these random people saying oh this the dam has or the river is flooded what do we want to do and you can either try to save the peasants or save the crops or whatever um it's a swipe left swipe right type system and there's four meters there's um church peasants uh, army and money and if either of those meters, you know, each action will increase or decrease each of those meters, sometimes all of them, sometimes just one of them. Um, and you can't let any of them get full or empty because once that happens, you'll go into a fail state. Um, so you'll, you know, if you run out of money, the oligarchs take over the country and exile you, or if you fill your army one it's you know a coup and you get overthrown and essentially once that happens you just start right back over where you were you pick up with the next uh king that takes over and then you make decisions for him and i guess there's a little bit of an overarching story i haven't really quite gotten there yet there's something to do with the devil and having to defeat the devil because he keeps popping up periodically and takes over all my people and like makes threats and all this that and that. darn so, devil ah man it's the devil <laughs> so, so i think I, i've heard about this this is actually a pretty new release right this is reigns from devolver digital yes yeah and, and it does everything like you were saying swipe left swipe right like it does like a tinder style it's exactly how it works like yeah. i like this i like that something like that i didn't realize and, it was uh, devolver digital weird yeah yeah it, it's actually pretty entertaining i have noticed um when you make the choices they there's no random outcome. So I've, I've, I've been playing it enough that I, I start to get the same like things that come up and no matter, or at least as far as I can tell, like and maybe the extent of the negative or positive effects is a little bit more random, but it, essentially every time you do action, a, you know, result B is going to happen. Um, right. So I guess, 
I've gotten in kind of a loop and I think I need to just start doing actions that I maybe don't necessarily care for just to try to game out different results. Um, so, so do you end up just like know, managing the, like the, the, the negative effects of the things that you choose? I mean, is it, is it sort of reactionary in that way or are, are you? So it, 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 again, if you get too many positives, if you get too much money, you lose your, your guy dies as well. So you have to manage both and it can be kind of tricky. It doesn't tell you right away. It will tell you which things are going to be affected, but it doesn't necessarily tell you how. So if you don't know like what one of your choices will be, you kind of have to guess based on what it's saying. Like, oh, the kingdom from the west is attacking. What should we do? And you can defend or attack. And, you know, if if you start to swipe towards defend, it'll show um, that it's going to affect your army and your peasants. If you show attack, it'll just affect your army. So it's like, well, I'm going to guess that it's going to lower my peasants if I defend and maybe raise my army, but if I attack, it's going to lower my army. So you kind of got to gauge it like, Oh, I've got really low army, so I don't want to do the attack option or whatever. Right. So you're basically just trying to manage those icons for yep. the, the different things. I just not let, because if you get, if any one of them gets to the bottom, you, you the fail. game's over, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you'll get status effects. Like every second your money will increase because you, created a trade route so it's like you kind of start to get desperate like i've got to spend money i've got to spend money um so it's it's pretty interesting it's it's fun it's easy to pick up and put down in like literally a few seconds which is exactly how fun games should be um you know and i have this really weird quirk when i play games on my phone i like them to be in uh, portrait mode not landscape i hate turning my phone to play a game I don't know why, but that annoys me so much. It's because you never know which side you have to tilt it onto, and there's a chance you could be upside down before you... It's, you know, the, especially Android phones, and even iPhones anymore, are so big. They're so unwieldy to hold that way, and I'm like, no, yeah. I don't... If I have to turn it, I'm not playing your stupid game. So I, I, wow. I appreciate that it has a, it plays out <laughs> in portrait mode. <laughs> That is that you are a difficult consumer to please, sir. I, I have I have a very simple requirement. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a few other games I I'm not going to talk about them other than to mention them. But uh, Mountain Blade Warband, I've been playing a ton of the Viking Conquest expansion that came out for that. That was actually patched to be workable. Um, so it kind of takes that timeline of that game back into that sort of Dark Age, um, which is a little bit different sort of combat mechanics so it's pretty interesting and you know any excuse to play mountain blade is is a-okay on my list is easily one of Agreed. my favorite games um yes. and then war thunder i've been playing the british tank uh line has been out for a while but um i was like i want to get back i like that game so i'm gonna play it again and i want to play something different on it so i'm doing british tanks and that's the one that you had mentioned. Is it War Thunder that is doing the the ships add-on? Yes. Now, or maybe yeah. yeah. So in in um, this year they're going to be rolling out a beta, closed beta, I believe they said for uh, naval combat, but not just like uh, World of Warships, which we've shown on the stream before. It's going to be small ships, so PT boats, patrol boats, river boats, things like that. Uh, torpedo boats. Dude in a life raft. Yeah, guy in a dinghy with a pistol. Um, yep. Which is pretty interesting because you don't see a lot of those uh, in any kind of 
games. Like there, there's been some. You see a lot of you know the Age of Sail type stuff, which of course War Thunder is all World War Two focused. Um, but you don't see a lot of like the PT boats, the faster sort of ships that played a pretty significant role in that time frame. So it, I'll, I'll be curious to see. You know, the reasons they went are going that direction. They've said is essentially because it keeps the action up as opposed to, you know, large capital ship engagements lasting hours and being fairly slow and, you know, cumbersome and tedious. So it should keep the action up. It should be interesting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, to add that third sort of realm to that game. For sure. I wonder, have they said anything about whether, because that's one of the few games that uh, is cross-play compatible. We, we actually have streamed this before, too, where you can play mm-hmm. the War Thunder on PlayStation 4 and PC and actually play together. I believe they said that beta is going to be PC only, but I assume that's going to be a for now. I can't I can't imagine there's any real limitations to bringing that to PS4. And I I believe, as far as I know, those two versions stay in uh, version parity. You know, like the, the, it's not like the PC gets updated. It takes four months for the PlayStation right right. Uh, skew or whatever to get updated i I, i'm pretty sure they stay in parity now like this beta period may only be on pc i mean that's not too uncommon but yeah yeah well that makes sense well real good that's a good raft of lots of kind of uh lots of games (laughs) it's it's a lot of random games (laughs) it is it is kind of a smattering it's good stuff well, I'm going to jump in. I've only got a couple of things to talk about this week. Uh, one of them is brand spanking new this past week, and uh, it has sort of been a tongue-in-cheek staple of the Game Byte show for the last several months since it was uh, since it was announced. I've been playing Metroid Prime Federation Force on the 3DS, the best, newest, latest, greatest in the prestigious Metroid franchise, uh, the true heir to the Metroid throne. Hey, is, is the Metroid Prime and Metroid, are they the same series? Or, I mean, is it like Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid? Or are they like, um, is one like a, I don't know. Well, they they are sort of developed separately. In fact, um, the Metroid Prime franchise is produced overall by Kensuke Tanabe, who I guess is sort of the uh, shepherd of of that part of it. And then the mainline Metroid, uh, I guess, side-scrolling types of stuff, um, they killed that guy. Uh, 15 years ago, his body has not been found, so they don't make those <laughs> anymore. But uh, yeah, Metroid Prime, I know, is a thing, and Kensuke Tanabe at Nintendo is sort of the, the guy in charge of that. Well, so I, I guess the, my question is, why is this... I, and I guess it's probably Prime because of its like first-person point of view, you think? Uh, kind of, but it's also... I, I mean, so the main characters that you play in Federation Force are the Space Federation... Marines. I mean, they're the sort of Marines that normally in Metroid Prime you would find their bodies lying around. I mean, they'd be dead, basically. That was the extent of their role. Uh, But now, and in actually Metroid Prime 3 Corruption, uh, you were aboard some of the big Federation cruisers, and you could see some of the different aliens and the people who kind of operated in that, you know, in that. You know, I never played past Prime 1. Um, Was there a whole lot of expansion of the, the sort of world in Prime 2 and 3? 
No, well, in Prime 2, there was not. In Prime 2, there was, uh, you were basically, Prime 2 was a lot like Prime 1 in the sense that it was just exploring kind of these spaces. And, you know, the, the zones were different, but there was sort of a light-dark kind of aspect to it. Uh, that was the planet Ether, I think, which was sort of split in its dual nature into light and shadow. In Prime 3, though, they did get into some of the world building where, you know, you find out that they, the Federation has these giant cruisers and the, and the computers are like these sort of organic... Um, brain computer type things and um, and there are other characters, other types of species and bounty hunters and things, kind of like uh, Metroid Hunters did. So that actually is the reason why I have, I'll admit there's a little bit of a trolly aspect to my enthusiasm for Metroid Prime Federation Force because everybody got so mad when this <laughs> game got announced. They're like, no, this isn't the true Metroid. And you know what? I am kind of over the traditional Metroid idea. Like, everyone's like, oh, it has to be about Samus, and she has to be in isolation, and you have to have this feeling of exploration and, and loneliness. And you know what? They've done that a lot. And you know what else? Other people are making those games better than Nintendo does now. I'm sorry. They are. <laughs> um, Axiom Verge, Game of the Year 2015. Well, Nintendo's not even Super doing Metroid. those now. So. No, they're not. And you know what? That's fine. The thing that Nintendo has that nobody else has, though is Metroid, right? They have the, the actual IP, the franchise. The, you know, I don't think I've ever played a Metroid game. Not even the original. Like, you should definitely at least play something like that. They are excellent games. And, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not saying they're bad games. It's just that they're so good that people who played them when they were young are now making their own, and they're doing an awesome job at it. Without Metroid, we wouldn't have one of the, the best games of all time, Castlevania Symphony. Or in the Blind Forest. No, no. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yes, Castlevania. Uh, yeah, so, the, <laughs> so it definitely has this long tail to it. Um, but I'm kind of ready to see that expanded world. And Metroid Hunters, which was basically just uh, on the original DS, it was basically like a Quake, like deathmatch kind of thing and they had these different bounty hunters and I like that like that captured my imagination like whoa there are other aliens out there because Samus herself is a is a bounty hunter right and so she has competition and there are these other characters that have like species names and planets that they come from and I'm like I want to see more of that I want to see the bigger continuity that Samus lives in I mean that that to me is interesting and so when Federation Force was announced I was like yes Tanabe Senpai, you were giving me exactly what I wanted. Um, so, uh, so let's talk about what Federation Force actually is. So, in the advertisements and in the pre-release information, there is definitely a monster hunter ish kind of feel to it. You, it's uh, up to four players co-op, which kind of has that monster hunter thing. Um, in a lot of the materials that they showed, they were working together, like fighting giant creatures and things like that. So again, you kind of got a, a sort of Monster Hunter style thing. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the Monster Hunter series, but this is not Monster Hunter. It is definitely a sort of watered down idea. Uh, so the premise of the game is that you, as these space marines, you uh, are part of an elite unit that drives around these mechs. These uh, I, I talked about it actually in the Metroid Blast Ball um, episode a few few shows back. Um, and each mech has a loadout, so you have up to three slots for these different mods that give you kind of different system-wide abilities. And then before each mission, you actually have a certain weight amount that you've got, and you can load up, like, uh, missiles or uh, fireball shots, you know, like fire shots or ice shots or something like that, depending on the world that you're going to. And there are three worlds, and they kind of have, there's like an ice world and a desert world and kind of a toxic sort of thing. Um, and then you basically will, just like Monster Hunter, 
or you'll go back and sort of redo different missions kind of in that same environment. It's not quite as... In Monster Hunter, you were literally going back to the same spaces and doing Over and over and over again. Exactly. So these are different environments, so they're not really connected in the same way that, that uh, they are in Monster Hunter, but you, you can definitely tell that, I mean, those are the environments that they had planned out. Uh, and there is some variety, so there are missions where in your mech you will uh, explore and uh, solve um, puzzles to progress, like unlocking things. Uh, there's sometimes ball puzzles. Um, which is kind of funny because, um, you know, again, in that expansion of the lore idea, it always seemed weird to me that wherever Samus went, there was always this ball technology. Like, it just so happens you can curl up into a tiny ball and unlock doors, and that's what this planet is all about. Good job. Uh, so they have ball puzzles here, but of course your, your marines can't really turn into balls, so you have to carry things and carry keys and shoot uh, switches and things like that. I mean, there's nothing really too novel about it. Uh, but then there are going to be monster fights, like big boss fights, and those kind of feel a little bit like Legend of Zelda bosses. Um, usually there's kind of a gimmick, or you know, you have to shoot a certain way or kind of go through a certain pattern of the, of the boss. Um, sometimes you'll uh, explode a facility, you know, or, or set a critical uh, bomb or something like that and then you'll have to escape kind of like they do in Metroid games uh, in a certain amount of time uh, at the end of each mission you are awarded points and medals so kind of in the mobile games three medals is the best score type thing as you rank up in each mission you get one medal then two medals then three if you've done everything perfectly um, the controls are a little bit weird in this. So in the same way that uh, Metroid Prime was not a twin-stick shooter, and we talked about this in the Blast Ball episode as well, uh, basically you have your left stick, the default controls left circle pad, I guess it is on the 3DS, uh, controls all of your movement and your uh, pivoting, your, your left and right movement. If you want to strafe, you have shoulder buttons that will do that, and then you actually have a right shoulder button that as you hold it down, you then use the gyro sensor, the tilt sensor, to kind of get... What if you have one of those new 3DSs with the, like, the little nub on the right-hand side? So you can, from what I understand, you can do that, but I find that the nub is kind of too far out of the way to be really useful. But you don't have to have that, because this is not a new 3DS-only game, right? No, that's correct. No, that's right. So you can play it on any version of the 3DS, um, and I assume it would also work on a 2DS. I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, the controls take a little bit of getting used to, and then, uh, depending on, so again, it's sort of a co-op, uh, thing, you can only communicate with little preloaded, um, messages, kind of like in a lot of Nintendo games, and then depending on your score at the end of the mission, um, you get a pick of some of the findings. So if you find little treasures, usually it's more mods. Um, and the, the mods might do things like increase your damage output by 20% or increase your weight limit by 20% or, um, you know, auto-repair your mech once you, if you're downed once, something like that. Uh, so then, depending on your score, whoever got the highest score, you get the first pick, second pick, third pick, fourth pick, and round robin of the special treasures that you picked up. Um, you might get special benefits for completing the missions quickly. So these missions take anywhere between, like, maybe eight, nine minutes, to up, up to maybe, like, 15 minutes. Um, so you can play them pretty quickly. It is a little bit difficult, I've found, to get into a game. And it's not just because it's the game that it is. You know, it's not just because this game will not be a, a critical smash hit. It will not, you know, sell millions of copies. Um, the, 
when you set up for online play, which actually is, I guess I didn't even mention, uh, this game is set up fully for pretty convenient online play. Um, you can get into an online lobby at any point. You can create your own lobby based on uh, the mission that you want to play. Other people can simply join at random, uh, or you can go and browse around and see what missions other people are, are doing, and you basically just join in, and, and away you go. Is there any, any indication, like, how many players are online, how many games are running, or anything like that? Not really, not really. I mean, it actually feels a lot like, um, if you played something like, um, you, you know what it really reminds me of is, and this is not going to be a meaningful reference to anybody, but it reminds me of playing something like Soul Sacrifice or... Um, uh, Freedom Wars on the Vita, where you don't really see a, a lobby list, uh, uh, you know, with all the players playing as, as much as you see, um, you know, five or six of the available rooms, and then you kind of pick from those or create your own. So it is obfuscated just a little bit in that you don't, you never really get a feel for how many people are playing. But once you get into a room, somebody has to, like, everybody has to ready up, you know, it gives you a chance to put in your mods and to, you know, you can customize your, your skins and your, uh, audio cues and those kinds of things, and you kind of have to wait for everybody to get going, or the host has to start a countdown. Um, and I found that 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 process sometimes is is not as smooth <laughs> as you might expect it to be. So in that sense, it's been a little bit difficult to to get into games. Um, I have heard, and I have not tried this myself. I've heard that Blast Ball is actually really difficult to get a, a full roster of, hmm. of humans. Um, but I have to, I have to give Nintendo props. I mean, they did it with the last couple of Monster Hunter games, and now they've done it with this. Um, it is much easier to play these games on, you know, Wi-Fi, I think, than it ever has been. So it's I think it's good that they've done that. Um, overall, uh, I want to say Federation Force is probably not for most people. I, I mean, for, for me, I kind of liked it as a lore addition. Like, I just liked the idea that we were exploring something that wasn't same old Samus again. And she actually shows up, like, they'll they'll show images of her and say, oh, Samus is working on this mission in conjunction with you guys. You, you never see her, but, it, you know, at the end briefing, it's like, oh, yeah, she destroyed this other thing, too, so everything is cool. Um, but some, some things kind of bother me a little bit about it. I mean, it's very, very simple. I mean, this is closer. I would say rather than being a Monster Hunter style game, this is more or less a straight up kind of a slow paced four person cooperative shooter in the style of hmm. Metroid Prime. Um, so from that standpoint, I, I guess be aware, maybe watch some videos of people playing it. It is a lot more, it, it's, there's not a lot hiding under the surface of this game. We'll, we'll put it that way. Um, the things are sufficiently fun. They're fun to play. And when you have four people working together, almost in any context, it's a lot of fun. It makes it way more fun than it would be playing single player. I have not played any missions on this single player because it's been so easy to just get online and, and you know, find a match. Um, so I plan to play through the entire game totally co-op uh, with strangers or friends or whatever. Um, and I just got to make a mention again. I mean, I sort of made the joke the last time we were talking about Blast Ball. I do not understand the idea of the mechs. And since I've talked about lore, I just want to mention, I don't know why we're in these giant mechs. Like, we could just be in Space Marine outfits just kind of going around <laughs> and doing things. I don't know why they added the layer of the mechs. There are some missions where you actually jump out of the mechs and you're like a little chibi dude, like, running around and you can't shoot things. You just solve little puzzles and stuff. So they do have that, but uh, it is kind of weird that they introduced to the Metroid universe the idea of, uh, you know giant mech type things because the scale of everything now is big too like when you go walking around and you look at a, you know a specimen tank that has something floating in it it's a giant tank it's not a person-sized tank it's in a you know it's a giant tank uh so i don't know it, it was kind of a weird decision but um overall um 
worth playing, worth at least investigating. If you are really hardcore into the Metroid continuity, this game will probably upset you. Uh, if you're looking for something, though, that you can play and have fun um, online with folks and do some cooperative stuff and, and uh, you know, get little mods and kind of build up your loot and stuff like that, there is a minor loot element to it, but by and large, it's going to be pretty much a straight-up uh, first-person, four-player cooperative shooter. Uh, the other game that I've been playing just a little bit this past week, Tumblestone, which came out as a an Xbox Games with Gold game for the Xbox One. Uh, I'm just going to mention it briefly. Um, it, it is a... Um, puzzle game. It's a it's a match three puzzle game, but not in the sense of Bejeweled or anything like that. Uh, did either of you guys play? Uh, well, you've probably played Bust a Move, right? Where you kind of move across the bottom and shoot things up. No. Yeah, I love that game. Make matches. Um, it's a little bit like that, but it's actually more. I'm going to ask you another question. Did either of you guys play Critter Crunch? Does that name sound no, familiar? No, but it's on no. my wish list. I know because I was looking at my wish list today. It was on there. Oh, that's weird. Um, so that that game uh, is probably a closer analogy to this. So the way it works is you you do you are represented in the game. It's sort of a columnar playing field, like Tetris or Doctor Mario or whatever. Um, but these tumble stones, which are basically like rocks with different emotional phases on them. So there's blue sad ones and green angry ones, or red angry ones and green weird looking ones or whatever. Uh, they taste like lime. Um, and you move across the bottom, and you have to make a match of three of the same color, sort of working your way upwards, kind of like an arcanoid or a brick out or, or something like that. And the goal is to clear the board of all of the blocks. And they're all, as far as I can tell, so there's a campaign mode, and everything is sort of pre-constructed. And the thing is that you cannot make a move in this game unless you match three of the same color. And the reason that that's important is because the, the game board is deeper than it is wide. So uh, you kind of have to be mindful of which colors of blocks are you picking away. Kind of like if you play um, Mahjong, for example, right? You kind of have to be mindful of the order in which you take off tiles because, you know, I want to get to that one that's deeper inside, but okay, so I need to take this one over here and this one and then take the one away that's in front of it and this other one over here. Okay, got it. <laughs> so it kind of has that sense to it. Um, and I've seen some really positive reviews of Tumblestone, but I have to say I am always in like a constant state of slight anxiety playing tumblestone because the upshot of it when you play it that way is that when you've got a playing board in front of you there is a correct solution to the game and so you kind of have to be thinking two or maybe three colors ahead because obviously you know of course there are puzzles where if you go for the immediate color that's directly in front of you you're going to screw yourself because you've now just eliminated a block that needed to be used to make another pair or another trio um, on another side of the board or something like that the weird thing about it, though, is that even though I don't find it enjoyable, somehow, and I don't know if it's just me, but my brain seems to work that way for Tumblestone. Like, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, I'm actually working through those blocks in the way that is correct. You know, I'm actually able to clear the boards in most cases without any resets. Because if you, if you make a wrong move, if you get, like, two red ones and then realize, ah, crap. I only had two red ones available. It resets the whole board, and you have to do it all over again. So it's a constant state of anxiety, and it's not an enjoyable anxiety. So I haven't played a lot of Tumblestone, but I did play. There is just one more thing about it. There is a multiplayer mode, and at any point, you just it's on the main menu. You just say, you know, quick match, and you can actually play against four other people where they have sort of miniature little versions of these puzzles, and you're in a race against time with four other people to solve five of these puzzles uh, the quickest. That sounds even more 
stressful. It's kind of the thing oh, is though that worse. then you see everybody else <laughs> failing too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, it is different, and if you have Xbox Live Gold, I believe it is still free through. August, you know, there's a chance that it could have been one that fell off the list halfway through the month. So ch- check it out. You may already have gotten it. If uh, you know, if you're if you're like me, you probably added it to your list and then didn't play it. Um, if, if you did get it through that subscription, definitely try it out. Um, other than that, uh, you can check out Dale Jones's wish list and uh, buy him a copy of Critter Crunch. Critter Crunch. <laughs> it's probably like a dollar now. I don't know why I don't even have it. Yeah, it's a good one though. That's that's also a good one. I look forward to hearing you talk about that. But instead of Critter Crunch today, you're going to be talking about what? No Man's Sky, um, just like last week. Uh, again, I've played a lot of that. Uh, in fact, I think that's the only game I've been playing over the last week. So I am really interested to hear, because I get the sense that for No Man's Sky, that the bloom is a little bit off the rose for a lot of people, and I'm curious about your Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a very flawed sort of game. Um, and even though I continue to play it, I couldn't really pin down exactly what it is that keeps me coming back to it other than once I've committed to kind of grinding something out um I'll do it you know (laughs) um uh Esteban my friend Esteban always teases me kind of about the he says that I like grindy games like uh Final Fantasy 11 or I don't know just I don't know how he defines it all the time, but uh, <laughs> I, I do tend to sometimes, uh, like with Diablo, like I, I played a whole heck of a lot of Diablo 3, um, and I find that actually No Man's Sky is very grindy because you are always um, going out and doing the same stuff, basically, the same, you know, a few activities that fall under, the you know, a few few broad categories. Yeah, you're always going out and collecting things and um, working sort of toward a goal that's always, it's like ever receding, you know, like you're like the donkey that's heading toward the carrot that's on the fishing pole of the guy who's riding you, you know, right. uh, like you're never going to get where you want to be. You, it's it's all about the journey, right? You're, you're always, um, it's like you're on a treadmill sort of. And... <laughs> and you have to like the burn. <laughs> yeah, basically. And but you know, I find that that playing No Man's Sky, it's for as as sort of like dull of a game as it is, it's it's not one that I like to like listen to a podcast or something because there's something about being completely there and in that experience um with listening to the to the sound and the music, which I think I've mentioned before is really good. The, the, like the music is really good and it's it's just it's just very ambient you know but i find that the the music together with being in those places in these these weird um impressionistic uh sort of sci-fi worlds is just very it's i don't know calming or it's just sort of chill and um i don't know it's just cool so so a lot of times i'm i'm actually just like paying attention to it uh fully and there and doing the thing and collecting the resources uh, building the module um you know making the jump to the next system where i want to go collecting things uh and in doing so just you know grinding out the um fuel collection and the the uh piece part collection and everything else in order to to get where i want to go i happen I, i happen to actually finish one of the um, 
couple of objectives that, that you can do in the game. So when you first begin the game, you're basically given a choice of um, follow the, the Atlas uh, intelligence, which, you know, you don't even know what it is. Um, but it's, it's basically suggesting a direction or an objective that you could go and do, or you can kind of go off on your own and, and just make your own way in the universe and decide what you want to do either on your own or by running into NPCs and, and chatting with them and sort of maybe letting them guide you. Um, so, so then you've talked about the grind, but, but the other part of that is the reward though, right? So it's not just about gathering the resources. You must be getting something from this. Not right? like really. Building recipes. No, come no. on. No, basically everything you gain is an ingredient into something else that is more than likely um, kind of a side grade to your multi-tool, to your ship, or to your exosuit. Or it's a consumable good, um, namely a warp core that's going to help you jump to the next system. So your, your what's it called, your, your drive or whatever that jumps you between systems, it runs on this fuel, these, these warp cells or warp cores. And those are like at the top of like a five-level pyramid of things that you need to build, right? So you're, you're out there collecting raw resources to make fuel to go to the next system is you could consider like the core loop of no man's sky. Right. Um, so, so you really are just getting resources for more consumable things. I mean, I, I sort mostly. of understood it to be that you're trying to get a ship with more slots or a suit with more slots. Cause that's the, All of that's these the currency things in this game, are right? uh, sort of means to an end. Um, the end is where do you want to go? Right. So, the the sort of quest that I took on was to be strung along from uh, station to station. And every time I would get to one station, I would get a piece of, you know, let's call it lore, story, you know. I wouldn't call it a plot per se, but background maybe. Um, so you get a little piece of that and you uh, basically get a new objective. So... Um, and you're on your way to the next thing. So after a, a finite amount of those, um, there's a sort of final culmination of, of proceedings, and you are gifted an ability which will um, help you in sort of the grander objective of the game, which you, you might know is to reach the center of the galaxy, right? Um, but ba all that stuff that you collect along the way, like, uh, slots to make your suit inventory bigger or like modules to help you survive longer in harsh circumstances or, um, various, uh, ways to soup up your multi-tool, whether it's to make the mining more efficient or to make your, your combat blaster deadlier or to, um, add cool properties to your grenades, like to let them carve out terrain so that you can build, you can, you can create tunnels and things. Um, you can do all those things, but the, I guess the benefit is, uh, slight. <laughs> the, the benefits are not huge in doing that. And it's, there's nothing that you absolutely need to do. Although I find it is very helpful to be able to craft like a radiation shield when you're on an irradiated planet. Um, but you don't have to be on that planet, you know, unless you're just completely out of resources. Um, 
in which case everything is so ubiquitous and scattered around the place that it will probably won't take you very long to find what you need to be able to run along to the next planet, right? So, so then that, that was kind of what I was wondering. So then would you say that the key value or the, or the thing that you are sort of the objective in this game is mobility? Is that fair to say? Well, the objective is you either have an objective or you don't. So it's possible to play this game where all you want to do is find one planet and just roam around that planet and see what's there, uh, you know, and take in the sites and, and the procedurally generated um, flora and fauna and everything. Um, you can just do that. You can roam about the galaxy from star to star on no particular path whatsoever, you know, just seeing what there is and kind of, um, you know, playing it like Proteus or something where you're just in it for the for the atmospherics and just for the chill factor, which I, I mentioned is, you know, this game definitely has. Or you can you can opt to follow one of a couple of paths and... Um, I've done that. You know, I followed one path to its end, which basically is just um, has given me facilitated my my ability to follow the other path, um, which I think is is the ultimate path to the to the center of the galaxy to, um, I think, undercover more about the sort of quote unquote story that's going along and just like the origins of this galaxy and, and stuff like that, because in the the 30 hours or so that I've played so far, um, I've met NPCs and, and figures that um, hint or um, are also sort of investigating the, the galaxy. And so there are, there are hints at, at something is, that's going on. There's, there's at least one species that is, seems to be up to, to no good in some respect. And I think by journeying toward the center of the galaxy, I'll be able to unravel whatever's going on there. Notice all of this could be very easily be spoiled by like a wiki entry or something, right? Like, but I've, I've held off on um, reading too much about the game just because um, I, I would think knowing what's at the end of the journey would, would really take away any motivation to complete the journey. You know what I mean? It's like goddess all over again. It's like the cube. Yeah, the, what's the curiosity what's the cube? cube, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm, I've reached a point where I, I did accomplish one goal, and you know, I, I don't know how urgent I feel about doing the next one, but um, you know, I've I've been enjoying it so far. It's a it's a cool game. I it's it's I don't think I could really recommend it to very many people though, because it's. I think this is a game in some sense for me. Uh, that I don't know how many other people it could really strike the same chord with. So how do you how do you know though? Because that's what I'm kind of wondering. Like, is this game even gonna trigger anything in me? Like, am I gonna am I gonna like it? <laughs> I mean, that's the difficult thing to to know, right? Because the way you describe how you, it, how do you play Minecraft? Um, you know, I kind of don't. I, here's the here's the funny thing, and there is an answer to this question because I don't play Minecraft very long usually i like build a house and kind of make it so i don't get eaten by zombies for a night and i usually consider that pretty good i mean if the hunger mode is on then i've you know then i've got some motivation to to go out but uh you know i'll usually play it for a little while and get bored i do play terraria though and the the lure to me in that is the fact that when you dig 
down far enough, you start to find interesting things and dungeons and, you know, what's going on over here? And, oh, look, there's a chest over there. And if I can just get past this eyeball creature, like those are the kinds of things that, that hook me more than just kind of being Zen out in the universe hmm. somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not for me then, huh? No man's sky. <laughs> but, you know, but then maybe it is. So here's my recommendation. Better spend $60 and find out. No, that's that's what I was going to say. Just wait until it's uh, 20 and then pick it up for 20 Because I, I think whether you play it for, you know, 100 hours or like 10 minutes at, at 20 bucks, you know, No Man's Sky is is pretty cool. Pretty cool to have. Or remember Steam now has their refund policy. So play it for under two hours. Under two hours, less than two And weeks. if it's not your thing, yeah. yeah. Two exactly. hours is, I don't know if you would be able to... To from my point of view, I don't know if two hours would be enough to really, unless you know what you're doing going in for two hours. I don't know if two hours is enough to really get a taste of what hour thirty would be like. Right. Because for me, this game did really change between probably like hours five to ten, um, up until five. I say hour five. I was still kind of getting to grips with the systems and everything, and. Sometime probably after about hour 10 or 20 is when I really felt like, like, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing. No more screwing around. Um, I got a game plan now and I've optimized this and that and I'm on my way. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's, it definitely sounds like a conundrum. Definitely yeah. It's like conundrum. I, the only thing I can really think of is, is like I said, wait for a sale. <laughs> And, uh, and then you almost can't go wrong. <laughs> right, for sure. For sure. Well, uh, listeners, you have mined the heck out of this episode of the Game Bite Show. You've taken all of the resources, named all of the animals and plants. Uh, we're ready to move on from this one. And the goal of the Game Bites podcast is to get to the next Game Bites podcast, which is incoming <laughs> shortly, before you know it. Because we're going to be back to talk to you again at the top of the week about the news of the Video Game Week, the new releases of the Video Game Week, and a special topic of discussion. And uh, that'll be hitting your feed here uh, in just a few days. Until then, we would love to hear from you if you want to talk to us about anything that we've discussed on this show. If you have any feelings about No Man's Sky, if you want to uh, give us your opinion on Grow Home or uh, Metroid Prime Federation Force, reach out to us on Twitter. You can find us as a group at Game Bite Show. You can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. I am at Count Elmdorf. And I am at Red underscore I. You can also find our good buddy Legrand Jolly at Legrand, L-E-G-R-A-N-D-E. And as we did mention a couple of times in this show, we also have a video stream that we do over at twitch.tv slash Show. Head on over there and subscribe. Get notified when we go live at least once a week. Uh, this past week, yours truly actually did a Super Nintendo stream. We went through a sampling of the very finest of the Super Nintendo's offerings, failed miserably at each one. Please go check that out. Uh, you can find that over on our YouTube archive, youtube.com slash Show. And uh, you can see all of this stuff over at our website on the internet, GameBiteShow.com. You can see there a uh, sidebar of our videos. You can get a link to your RSS feeds or your iTunes uh, feed burner stuff. Go check that out. Or a back catalog of all of our previous podcasts. Uh, all of our shows definitely in little Game Bites, succinct Game Bites, less than half an hour for sure, just like this show. Uh, please don't look at the timer. Uh, <laughs> until... <laughs> Until our next show, this has been your Game Bites podcast. We will see you next time.
Hasta luego. Bye.